You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest today on Preaching Source is Dr. Stephen Presley. Uh, He's one of my favorite colleagues here at Southwestern Seminary. He's the professor of church history and director of the Center for Early Christian Studies. He uh, studied at Baylor University, Dallas Seminary, and the University of St. Andrews. And he's here today to talk with us about patristic preaching. So, Dr. Presley, thanks for coming, and welcome to Preaching Source. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. McCarty. First of all, uh, let's talk about the genealogy of of, uh, patristic preaching. Who who are the key contributors to the movement? Sure. Um, Preaching, as far as in in the early church, begins obviously in the New Testament itself. With, uh, with the book of Acts, you have uh, several uh, sermons that cycle through and kind of organize and, and orient that book. And uh, the early fathers of the church picked up on, on the book of Acts and kind of carried on uh, what, was, what was going on there. Uh, some of the earliest sermons that we have, uh, a work called Second Clement, is uh, is one probably uh, the earliest sermon that we have, and it's a uh, a sermon. We we don't know the author. It's attributed to Clement. We don't know uh, uh, if it uh, if it's attributed to him. Most don't think so, but it's often found with uh, another text in the Apostolic Fathers. Uh, but uh, another sermon uh, is uh, Melito of Sardis has a sermon called "On the Passover." Uh, that's an exposition of Exodus chapter twelve. Um, when uh, when Melito was was preaching that, there's some assumption that there was a, a synagogue maybe across the street or near him, and he's providing a a Christian reading of of that Passover. It's uh, has a rich typology uh, throughout it. Uh, from him, uh, it starts to be uh, the the number of sermons start to to pick up. Clement of Alexandria has a sermon. Uh, that is uh, that is dedicated to uh, to the text from Mark on the uh, the rich man who comes to Lord to the Lord and says how can I be saved and and so he has a, a sermon on that and from there uh, Origen is the first one who we have a a large collection of his sermons and we have a quite a wide collection of them mostly from the Old Testament um, his only the only New Testament ones we have are his homilies on Luke. Um, but from origin there in the in the third century, the fourth century, and the fifth century picks up, and that is really the golden age of Christian preaching with Chrysostom and Augustine, and we have hundreds uh, of their sermons. But that's kind of the the genealogy of of preaching as as it as it moves through that early Christian world. Dr. Presley, the, in the school of preaching, as you know, uh, we're uh, our our big hallmark is text-driven preaching, and we've had some discussions before about how important the text was in patristic preaching. Uh, talk with us a little bit about that. What role did the text have in in the first and second century uh, synagogues, and how did the patristic preachers handle the the Old Testament scriptures? That's a great question. the The early church are definitely focused on the text, and I think they inherit this from uh, from the Jewish background. We have the examples in the Book of Acts, uh, as I mentioned earlier. 
uh, when Peter stands up in Acts chapter 2, Peter uh, preaches there uh, in Jerusalem, and he's, he's mentioning uh, 2 Samuel 7 in the Davidic covenant, and he's citing Psalm 110 and Psalm 16, and there's this focus on the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, the same for the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. Uh, the Ethiopian is reading Isaiah 53. Um, and he's struggling with who is who is the uh, uh, who is this text talking about? And the early church uh, f- uh, uh, carried on that same spirit of this attention to the text. Now, when we go to uh, the sermons, even the early sermons in the second and third century, of course, Origen or even Augustine, um, you're going to find uh, Christians and and preachers who are dedicated. Uh, to the scriptures with a very high view of inspiration, a very high view uh, of the text. Um, in many ways, their, their goal was to expound and explain that text of scripture that I think they, they inherited from the Old Testament. As I mentioned with Origen in particular, most of the sermons we have are from the Old Testament. So there is a heavy emphasis on preaching from the Old Testament that they inherited from, uh, obviously, from the, the Jewish backgrounds. And so, uh, you know, it, it is a challenge when those of us in the modern church read the, the, the early church and their sermons, they're often going to the New Testament. They are not the, are going to the Old Testament. They are not picking up Ephesians. Uh, I mean, they are preaching on Ephesians, but that's not their first go-to place. They, you know, Origen is, is reading the Old Testament and expounding on it for, for the church. Yeah. All right. You, okay. You raise an interesting question. Uh, you know, when we talk about patristic preaching, um, our modern preachers, uh, you go to pick a text for Sunday, you open up your Bible and boom, there it is. But the early patristic preaching takes place during that period while the New Testament canon is still in formation. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about that early period of patristic preaching and how how did that work and and what about the acceptance among church leaders at the councils of the canon and and what all did this formative period have on on the subsequent development of preaching i think in a couple ways one first i think what you find in canon development is i think preaching had a formative a particularly formative role in other words when if you're trying to decide between what to speak about when you walk into a church, when you're gathering with the church, that itself, those particular decisions have importance for what texts are and are not inspired. In other words, if I'm going to stand up and preach from, let's say, a, another non-biblical text, non-canonical text, like even a Christian text like First Clement or the writings of Ignatius or a non-Christian, you know, what is a non-Christian text like some of the Nagamati writings, some of the Gnostic texts, texts that like the, the Gospel of Judas or the Gospel of Thomas. The preacher has to make a decision when they walk into church what will be helpful and edifying to the people in the church. And those decisions were part of the ongoing canonical process going on. There are discussions in the canonical process about what texts are read and what texts aren't read in Scripture, in in a service. And and so that decision itself uh, is part of the formal kind of canonical process as it's growing. Now, obviously, I believe that what the church is doing in that is recognizing what is already Scripture. Uh, So they're not making Scripture, but in those 
those theological judgments they have to make on Sunday morning. Uh, the second point is, and, and I often speak about this in my church history classes, uh, is most of their preaching, particularly in the early church, is drawn from the Old Testament. So it raises the question, um, you know, can I preach the gospel from the Old Testament as the early church is doing? When I stand up and proclaim um, who Jesus is, can I do that uh, from the Old Testament? Uh, perhaps we wouldn't do it in the way they were doing it, uh, you know, but uh, with, uh, with someone like, like Origen, again, most of his sermons are on the Old Testament, or with, uh, with Augustine, his massive homilies on the Psalms uh, that all have this, uh, this rich uh, content to them. So, yeah, I think they challenge us and they remind us of the priority of the Old Testament as it makes its way into the New Testament. They certainly preached on the New Testament. Uh, but those early years were were influenced heavily by the Old Testament. Uh, we often see uh, uh, the church councils and many of the early debates in in the first you know five centuries of the church are are addressing uh, heresies. What in patristic preaching? What role did the sermon play in confronting doctrinal heresy? Yeah, this is a, uh, another great question and. Uh, it's funny when I think one of the fun things about going and reading the, the, the sermons in the early church and what, what I love about them is they give you a window into the life uh, of the early Christian communities. In fact, uh, you can read the sermons by Chrysostom or Augustine or Origen or others, and you often find them making comments about their congregation or about, you know, the world, uh, you know, the world around them. And the sermons were, were intended often, and in most cases, to be uh, very focused on edification and on the Christian life and on uh, a living Christianly. And so they, will, they are never afraid <laughs> to call out people in the church. In fact, I can remember reading some of Origen's sermons in which he's, he's making comments about how people don't come to church to hear him preach often enough, or Chrysostom complaining about people leaving the church and going off and, and participating in, in uh, secular activities. And, and so there's this, this window that you get, and, and the, it's the same for the heresies uh, in the church. They were never shy about naming names and about pointing out um, um, errant doctrine or wrong, wrong doctrine that was being promoted, uh, calling out Marcion or the Gnostics or uh, whoever later in the church. A lot of times those doctrinal disputes were, were worked out from the pulpit. And, and again, it raises interesting questions for us and, and, and interesting questions that, uh, that preachers today wrestle with when you, when you walk into the pulpit. And I'm often, I, I read and I'm often, I often laugh at myself about would I be willing uh, to say even some of the things and to call out people <laughs> when, I'm, uh, uh, when I'm preaching. And, the, and, and no doubt there's some Christian wisdom to be applied there. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I think they, are, they were never afraid uh, to speak truth or at least uh, as, as they understood and saw it. Now, when, when we look at the uh, sermons of the patristic preachers, there, there is a distinct identifiable style that we usually call ancient homily. Uh, how, how does ancient homily, that style, compare with what we have come to know as expository or text-driven preaching? Yeah. The, one of the issues that's developing in the church and um, uh, is... is uh, the, the whole liturgical structure itself. 
And so with the liturgical structure, it's very early in the church, uh, second, even into the third century, that they're already, we already find uh, in the midst of a worship service, multiple readings of the biblical text. So you'll have a reading from the Old Testament in the service, and you'll have a reading from the epistle, an epistle in the service, and you'll have a reading from the gospel. Uh, and at times, there are uh, those who will, after the reading, give a short little ex uh, exposition of that text. And oftentimes, services were held every single day. Uh, so you would... Uh, you would find preachers preaching almost every single day and then giving short little expositions in almost every single service about all the passages that are read. So uh, we'll take, take, for example, Origins homilies on Luke. They're very, very short. They're, they're very brief, just a little homily. And uh, it's quite probable that this was given just after uh, a short reading. Uh, as you can imagine, the service would, would go on a long time if you have a little homily after every reading in the service. Uh, and so the homily itself was not quite as developed as what, what, uh, what we might find in text-driven preaching, where there's a, a more extended um, and as you well know, more rhetorical uh, structure, uh, organ organization to this, uh, the, to this sermon itself. Uh, in the early church, they're, they're trying to give this brief explanation uh, of the passage after, after it's read. We do find extended long sermons. Uh, Chrysostom has long, long sermons, uh, but uh, in, in many cases, they're short, brief, little homilies, even Melito's on the Passover and Clement's, these short little brief uh, ex, uh, explanations of the text with some exhortation. Uh, but that's, that's what we find there in the liturgical service. Yeah. Okay, re recognizing that it, it takes the church a while through history to, for homiletics to become a distinct field with, with distinct homiletical works, but the, these early patristic writers, a lot of their hermeneutical works touch on preaching and instruction on preaching. So could you identify some of the key, let's say, either uh, homiletical or hermeneutical works that were influential in, in giving instruction in preaching during this period? Yeah, another, another good question. We, uh, it, it, the main text that I think we can, or let me list off some that I think would be very helpful. Uh, first is Irenaeus' demonstration of apostolic preaching. Uh, it's one of the earliest catechetical manuals we have. Uh, and that little book itself uh, walks through almost the entirety of the scriptures. The first part is actually a narrative of the Old Testament, a summary of the Old Testament. Uh, there's a little section on how the covenants of Abraham and David point to Christ. Then there's a, an exposition of the prophets in the way in which those prophets point to Christ. And then it, it concludes walking through Acts and describing the coming of the Spirit and the building of the church. So it itself, that little manual in its structure, kind of gives a preacher an organized way, a hermeneutical way to make sense of all uh, uh, of all the scriptures, or at least the way in which the scriptures relate uh, to Christ. Um, Hippolytus's uh, on the apostolic uh, teaching, uh, on the apostolic tradition, I'm sorry, is a is a uh, another manual that actually walks you through catechesis in the early church and refers to uh, moments uh, in which the scriptures are read in the service and there's explanation. 
um, and, and those sorts of things. Uh, other hermeneutical texts would be origins on first principles, uh, would give you the, you know, the, that Alexandrian, uh, the origin, uh, the, the, the allegorical, uh, strongly allegorical approach to the scriptures. Uh, in origins, uh, on first principles, gives that to you. Uh, Augustine has a couple that I think are very helpful. Uh, his uh, On Christian Doctrine is a, is a summary of, of, uh, uh, of hermeneutics, really, and, uh, and organizes Augustine's hermeneutic around uh, the love of God and the love of neighbor. All readings of Scripture, and in fact all expositions and exhortations of Scripture, should leave one into a deeper love of God and love of neighbor. Uh, one last one. Uh, Augustine also has a text uh, called On the Catechizing of the Uninstructed that talks about how the preacher is to, uh, is to educate uh, someone who is new in the faith and how to train them, and, and often gives words of, of how to exposit a text. Uh, interestingly, Augustine, like Irenaeus, also begins with a summary of the, the Scriptures itself. That's the where the, the preacher ought to begin, is summarizing all of Scripture in a, in, in a, in a shorthand way. Um, at least those are some texts to give to give you an orientation. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the School of Alexandria in connection with Origen. What, uh, can you talk a little bit about the important differences between the School of Antioch and the School of Alexandria? They're this great, I, I don't know, debate or, or two views of looking at Christian doctrine and the exposition of Christian doctrine. Yeah, very much so. It reminds you that uh, uh, you know when you when you go into the early church that uh, there was not universal agreement about how to read a text, how to preach a text. Uh, these things were debated and discussed, uh, and uh, and there was diversity in in terms of uh, of these things. And so, uh, traditionally, the way historians characterize uh, uh, hermeneutical approaches to Scripture in, in the early church are the, 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 the classic school of Alexandria and the school of Antioch. Uh, now, of course, as many have pointed out recently, when you actually get into the data, you know, certain, uh, certain people that uh, certain fathers or certain uh, interpreters or preachers who tend one way sometimes end up, you know, in certain cases focusing, you know, ending up, you know, in, in another, you know, uh, 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 having the characteristics of, uh, of another. But uh, uh, tends to be that in the School of Alexandria, you get the emphasis on allegorical preaching or allegorical meaning. Uh, so Origen and, and Athanasius and some of these that, that come from that school uh, tend to emphasize, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the spiritual meaning of the text. And then Antioch, the school of Antioch, uh, with Diodor and, and Theodore Mopsuesi and, and some of these others, tended to emphasize the literal meaning and reject the, uh, what we found in Origen and the allegorical meaning. Uh, this had an impact also on Christology, where, of course, in, in my church history class, we talk about how Alexandria emphasized the divinity of Christ, Antioch emphasized the humanity of Christ, and so you can see these, these discussions were happening about ways to interpret texts. I'll say this, too, and it's, it's something else that we, we ought to remember when we go to the early churches, they did not, they did not apply the same methods to the all of Scripture. In other words, if you go and read, let's say, Origins commentaries on the Old Testament, like Genesis, and oftentimes they appear different than when you read, 
let's say his homilies on Luke, or even you go even to his exposition of Ephesians or, or one of the New Testament books, that that allegorical method becomes pronounced when you're looking at particular genres of Scripture itself, uh, when it lends itself towards this typological or allegorical debate. Um, so they're thinking through, in much the ways we talk about genre, they're thinking through those, you know, the different, the different parts of Scripture or genres of Scripture and the way in which it's helpful to interpret uh, one genre over, over another, one particular portion over another. Dr. Presley, could, in, in wrapping up today, uh, could, could you identify some of the strengths and weaknesses of preaching during this patristic era that, yeah. that we might go to school on? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, personally, I love preaching. I, 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 if I'm given the opportunity, whenever I can, I preach. Uh, and I have been influenced by uh, the early church in this, because when I go to the early church, I'm reminded that the great theologians of the church were preachers. The great theologians um, were not merely uh, tucked away in their offices or in their rooms or, or wherever, uh, uh, writing great works. No, they were engaged uh, in, in the community. And so their, their work of theology and their work of doctrine and their work of study uh, was always uh, in, uh, applied or worked out uh, from Origen to Augustine to the great minds of the early church. They were, th they were preachers, um, and they, uh, they didn't have the strong disconnect that sometimes we find today uh, between the academic theologian and the practical theologian. They were, uh, they were working out uh, th those things uh, in the pulpit. Uh, and so that's, it's a challenge, I think, for us to remind that uh, uh, the great minds of the early church were, in fact, preachers and would go and would preach uh, the word. And um, uh, so that's one of their great strengths. At the, same, at the same time, another great strength, I think, is their, uh, their love for Scripture and their dedication to the text. Uh, they, they've very much viewed the text as inspired and sought to expound and explain the text. Again, they didn't always do uh, a good job, and many of them disagreed and debated these things. And when we go to the text, uh, we don't often um, interpret it always in some of the same ways that they did, but uh, that, that dedication to Scripture. At the same time, if you go read some of their sermons, uh, that dedication to Scripture uh, doesn't always end in good application or doesn't always, it isn't always packaged in a rhetorically, uh, uh, in, a, in a way in which the, uh, you know, those today might find, you know, enjoyable or might find helpful. And so uh, the packaging um, and the, in fact, the, uh, you know, the ability to approach different genres in different ways we don't always find in the early church. But, uh, but their love for Scripture, the, the fact that the, 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 the theologian is a preacher, uh, these types of things, I think, uh, remind us what's so helpful about, uh, about the early church. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Dr. Stephen Presley, professor of church history and director of the Center for Early Christian Studies at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Dr. Presley, thank you for being with us today on Preaching Source. Thank you very much, Dr. McCarty. Appreciate it.